The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. From our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Hi, I'm Brad Bannon, host of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm a national democratic strategist, a columnist for the Messenger in Washington, DC, and a political analyst for KNX Radio, News Radio in Los Angeles. If you want to read my columns in The Messenger, uh, you can access all of them uh, by going to messenger.com. That's wrong, actually. Muckrack.com. That's M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K, all one word. Muckrack.com, front slash Brad Bannon. Mondays on Deadline DC, I talk to the people and players behind the politics and policies that drive our great nation forward. Uh, this week on Deadline DC, uh, we have uh, a variety of guests. In the first half hour, we'll talk international politics uh, with Cedric Layton, uh, you may know uh, from watching uh, him uh, uh, on CNN as their military analyst. Uh, then in the second half hour, we'll switch to domestic politics and talk to Tara Devlin, uh, the host of the podcast, Tara Buster. Uh, also, as usual, we have with us our intrepid executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, uh, who makes sure the trains run on time and the show stays online. Before we get to our first guest, Cedric Layton, I want to play this very short clip from MSNBC this morning. It's reporter John Heilman talking about President Zaleski's uh, upcoming trip to the United States on Thursday to make his case for a much needed military aid to the Ukraine. Zelensky saying, I desperately must have this money or where Ukraine is, is, is toast in this war, number one. And you've got the world looking and saying, man, if Donald Trump gets elected president, they're seeing these polls and, yeah. and the fact that Trump's, uh, if not the, the favorite, neck and neck with Joe Biden, they're saying, first thing he's going to do is dump out of NATO. And the first people who are going to feel that is going to be Vladimir Volodymyr Zelensky in the Ukraine. Yeah, it is a frightening moment. And when you think about um, this optic of the president of Ukraine needing to to come to Washington to sort of prop up what ought to be the most obvious set of military support in the in the modern history, given how cost effective it is to take out Vladimir Putin, it is uh, a sad moment. Our guest in this half hour is uh Cedric Layton, uh, CNN military analyst. Uh, he is a colonel in the U.S. Air Force, retired. He is also the founder and CEO of Cedric Layton Associates, which is a strategic risk and management consultancy. 
Uh, if you want to find out more about Cedric and his background, you can do that by going to his Twitter uh, page at CedricLayton.com. Uh, uh, Cedric, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, you heard your clip from uh, John Heinlein this morning on MSNBC. Uh, President Zelensky's uh, coming to the United States on Thursday, which I think is interesting because uh, Congress is supposed to adjourn on Thursday. And my guess is the House Republican leadership will try to adjourn the session and get out of town before uh, Zelensky has a chance to talk to them uh, since they have not. Uh, been able to do anything to provide the Ukraine uh, much needed military aid in their struggle uh, to beat off the Russian invaders. Uh, first of all, uh, let's start with the basics. What is the situation in Ukraine right now, Colonel Layton? So, Brad, it's basically a stalemate. What you're looking at is uh, the Ukrainians have been able to keep uh, the territory that they have uh, you know, ba basically since uh, the end of uh, oh, March or so of uh, 2022, uh, there have been no further gains uh, of sub a substantial nature by the Russian forces. Uh, what that means is uh, also, though, that the Ukrainians uh, in 2022 were able to regain some territory. So about uh, 17 or so uh, between 17 and 18 percent of Ukrainian territory is still in Russian hands in, in spite of impressive Ukrainian gains back in 2022. Now move forward to 2023 and the battlefield looks a bit less impressive because uh, the Ukrainians uh, have been trying to consolidate their gains and also have a counteroffensive. That counteroffensive did not uh, go as planned and it did not uh, take over territory that uh, the Ukrainians had wanted to take. They had wanted to cut the land bridge that the Russians have between the Donbass regions, which the Russians had illegally occupied, uh, and Crimea, which they also illegally occupied back in 2014. Uh, um, but that uh, land bridge, a new piece of, of land that they grabbed uh, after their invasion in February of 2022, that still is in Russian hands. And that's the most strategically significant part of what they've been able to do. Uh, the Ukrainians have been unable to cut that because they lack uh, the manpower and they lack the armed force that they need uh, to do that. Uh, but having said that, it is still remarkable how much the Ukrainians have been able to keep and uh, that they've been able to hold on to the territory that they have at this point. Now, you said that uh, Russia still occupies 18 percent of uh, uh, Ukrainian territory. No, okay. that's about right. OK, well, let me ask you this question. Uh, based on news reports, uh, Ukraine is running running out of money to fight this war. Uh, and I'm sure uh, President Zelensky's by the end of the month, I've read, uh, and I'm sure the timing of uh, President Zelensky's uh, trip to the U.S. is not coincidental. Uh, what would you have uh, President Zelensky and President Biden say uh, to uh, Republican members of the House and Senate about the urgency of the situation? What's their best pitch? Yeah, that's, uh, that's of course, going to be a really tough answer. But I think the best pitch is going to be this. Uh, this is essential for our security because 
if Ukraine were to fall to the Russians or if the Russians were to make substantial gains in Ukraine, Putin would be emboldened. And emboldened Putin then puts NATO at risk, which means that Europe is at risk. If Europe is at risk, we then risk the fact that uh, we would have to support a, a Europe that would be invaded by the Russians. So that would invoke Article 5 of the NATO treaty. That would then result in a major war now. If the United States, if Ukraine holds on and uh, Donald Trump becomes president, uh, then there's a possibility that Donald Trump would withdraw the United States from NATO and then all the guarantees of Article 5 would be null and void, uh, at least in theory. Now, having said that, though, the problem that you would have then is a very powerful uh, Russia that would have a large foothold in Europe, that would then embolden not only Russia and China, and the world that we would live in would be a very dangerous, very unpredictable, very chaotic world. It would be very, very different from the kind of world that was envisioned by Ronald Reagan back when he was doing his uh, work with Gorbachev back in the 1980s, and then what followed that, the opening of the Berlin Wall and the fall of that, uh, of that wall, that was then a critical juncture where the United States was able to expand its power in Europe and expand the NATO alliance. That is the kind of uh, area that we want to keep, and we want to be able to expand upon those gains in order to assure the safety of both Europe and the United States. Okay. Uh, what happens, let's take the worst case scenario here. What happens if Ukraine doesn't get any more American money? I assume they're still getting support from our European allies and NATO, but what happens if the uh, U.S. money spigot it gets cut off by Republicans in Congress? So the Europeans will look to the United States as being the big model. And if the United States doesn't support Ukraine, it's highly likely that a lot of Europe will not support Ukraine as well. Uh, the United States is kind of the role model in these types of things. And if that happens, then uh, Ukraine is, is truly at risk. The Europeans have already spent almost as much as the U.S. has in Ukraine. Uh, that is significant, and it is a lot of burden sharing that the Republicans say they're looking for. The key thing to think about, though, is this. If uh, none of the aid is provided to Ukraine, then Ukraine is at risk of collapsing. And if Ukraine collapses, then the nightmare scenario of expansive Russia becomes a potential reality. Hey, we're going to take a short break uh, to give our radio listeners a little vacation. Uh, but we will be continuing this interview on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, and YouTube, uh, so you can watch it there. Um, our guest is uh, Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, uh, who is CNN's military analyst. We'll be right back after these messages uh, with more. back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Our guest in this half hour is Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, uh, who is most prominently a CNN military analyst. So you've probably uh, seen him on that show, which uh, has a few more viewers uh, than Deadline DC. 
we were talking about uh, the situation in Ukraine in the first half hour. Uh, we're going to move to the other big trouble spot in the world, uh, the Middle East. Uh, in this segment, uh, I want to remind our radio listeners that if you want to watch us, uh, you can watch us on twitter.com front slash Brad Bannon or on facebook.com front slash deadline DC with Brad Bannon front slash videos. Okay, uh, in the Middle East, uh, last week, uh, the United States Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, uh, said something to the effect that because of the Israeli bombing of civilians uh, in Gaza, uh, Israel re, uh, risked uh, winning a tactical victory by taking over Gaza, uh, but, but uh, facing a strategic defeat. Uh, would you explain what the secretary meant by that? Sure, Brad. Uh, you know, what he's talking about here is, uh, you know, in essence, it could be a pure victory for the Israelis if they don't find a way uh, to stop uh, the bloodshed in uh, in Gaza among the Palestinian civilians that live there. Uh, so what he's talking about is the tactics that the uh, Israelis are using, uh, which seem to be uh, striking a lot of civilian targets in addition uh, to striking Hamas-related targets. One of the problems that the Israelis have is that Hamas is kind of interwoven within Gazan society, and that very fact creates some, some real difficulties from a targeting perspective. Uh, but what the secretary was referring to is the need to really uh, be very careful and judicious in the use of military power, especially air power, which is a bit more indiscriminate than, uh, you know, shooting somebody with a rifle or something like that. So uh, he's he's really talking about a short-term victory that the Israelis are likely to achieve against Hamas versus a long-term continuation of the status quo that exists between Israel and its Palestinian neighbors, which involves a lot of hostility, a lot of fighting, and quite frankly, a lot more support for uh, guerrilla groups or terrorist groups like Hamas uh, than would be the case if the Israelis were less heavy-handed in their approach. You know, i taking a big risk here, quoting a military strategist to um, uh, someone of your stature and background, but I'll mangle it. Uh, the general military theorist uh, Van Koswich once said, uh, war is politics by other means. And it seems to me Israel here is at risk of winning the war, uh, but creating a political situation which is untenable. Uh, my guess is that uh, we're, the Israelis are creating a new generation of uh, Palestinian terrorists uh, by bombing Gaza. Uh, do you think that they, anybody's thinking, besides Secretary Austin, is thinking about the long-term disastrous effects of this situation? Well, I certainly think that uh, Secretary of State Blinken shares Secretary Austin's views, and your quoting Clausewitz exactly right. Uh, he uh, was very clear that war is basically an extension of politics. In essence, when politics and diplomacy fail, you go to war. Uh, but the real desire of any statesman should be uh, to regain the capacity to use diplomatic and political means to achieve one's ends. 
And so what uh, the Israelis are looking at here is, you know, obviously they want to avenge what happened on October the 7th. Uh, they, you know, need to make sure that their security is heightened for the southern areas of Israel and really, quite frankly, for the entire nation so that something uh, like what happened on October the 7th does not happen again. Uh, but uh, you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, you can have a military victory, but if, you, if that military victory is not accompanied by a political or diplomatic victory, then you risk losing everything. And that's the real problem. Uh, and like you mentioned, uh, the risk is really high that a new generation of Palestinians uh, will be drawn into the terrorist embrace. And that is really dangerous for the state of Israel. It's really dangerous for the future security, not only of Israel, but of, uh, you know, quite frankly, the U.S. and the the existing Arab nations uh, that uh, surround Israel on all of its borders. So this is uh, a significant moment where more statesmanship and less, uh, you know, military bravado would really be called for. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask a question, which is probably a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I'm famous for asking uh, stupid questions on the show and our viewers and listeners expect it. Is there a risk of this turning this situation in Gaza turning into a while uh, a wider war. I mean, the United States military encampments of Syria are being attacked. We're attacking in retaliation. We're re attacking uh, Iranian-sponsored military facilities. Uh, they're shooting drones uh, at our ships uh, and at Israel from Yemen. And uh, I have a map of the Middle East uh, to illustrate the point. And it just every time I read about something, I said, oh, my God, this is like we're like you know, a flashpoint away from a much wider war in the Middle East. Am I being alarmist about this or not? Uh, not at all, Brad. In fact, it's actually a really wise question to ask because one of the key problems that you always run into once you get involved in something or even, uh, you know, stick your toe in the water, so to speak, uh, you risk, uh, you know, really submerging yourself into a conflict that you may not understand or you may not have had any equities in before you got there. Uh, so there's a high risk. That uh, you know, with the United States being around these areas, both on sea and in the air, as well as on land, uh, it uh, you know there's a risk that we could get drawn into something, where the the very least the conflict could widen beyond uh, just Hamas versus Israel, and that kind of thing uh, is something that you have to be really careful about. Sometimes you can't avoid widening these conflicts, uh, but other times uh, you know judicious use of power at the right moment in time can prevent things from spreading rapidly. And that, I think, is what the administration is trying to do by positioning naval assets in the eastern Mediterranean and in the Persian Gulf, as well as air assets uh, in the greater Middle East. And then, of course, those bases in Syria and Iraq that you talked about, which were there for another purpose, which was to fight ISIS. Uh, but everything that we do in these situations, Brad, is really designed uh, to protect U.S. interests. And we have to be very careful that we don't get drawn into something that we really can't get out of. And that, of course, is something that we haven't always been 
uh, very good at, to be frank about it. Uh, Colonel, this is um, Mark Grimaldi. I apologize uh, to our audience. Brad is just having a technical problem with his camera, but I just wanted to thank you on behalf of Brad and the rest of our audience. You can find Colonel Layton on CNN as a military analyst, and of course, you can go to CedricLayton.com, his website, or check him out on X at Cedric Layton. Happy holidays to you and your family, Colonel, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you on and off the air. Thank you so much, Mark. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and Brad as well. Happy holidays to you and your family, and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Sounds good. Take care, Colonel.